0: Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Nathan Drinkard. I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. As a reminder to all our listeners, we are on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, and if you're looking for us in the video format, you can find us on YouTube at the A Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. Drink, great to be back with you and a whole lot of great stuff to get to on this wonderful Friday.
1: Yeah, man. I'm feeling a little better. Um, ready to get off into this thing. We had, you know, we, you know what we had last night. Um, We're going to get into it and then what, what we've been doing, what we've been doing on these streets, but it's another fruitful Friday. So let's do what we do another day, another dollar, giving the streets what they need. We're going to see what they don't. Absolutely. We're going to say what they want. We set the dinner place because it's time to eat. And last but not least, y'all know what time it is. Let's talk some sports, baby. Jay, what well, we got today. Well, this is episode 57, and we will put a bow
0: on the uh, NBA first round of the playoffs. We're going to preview the conference semifinals, and we will take a look at the first round of the NFL draft. But before we get into any of that, the only first round series still rem- uh, in action is the Memphis Grizzlies and the Minnesota Timberwolves in the Western Conference, the two-versus-seven matchup. And uh, we have game six tonight. Memphis leading that series three uh, three games to two after game five where John Moran had uh, one of the more spectacular dunks I've seen recently and the finishing touch, uh, the, the uh, just magnificent uh, finger roll acrobatic layup thing that he did to cap that one off. Uh, drink pretty simple here. Does, uh, does Memphis close this out tonight? Or will we have a game seven on Sunday?
1: Oh, man. So, you know how some people, you watch TV shows and they have, like, the two little, you know, um, inner, you know, I don't want to call them demons, but they got the two little figures over here talking one good, right. one bad. Um, and one, I got one over here that's saying, hey, man, just go ahead and, you know, it's going seven. And I got one that say, the Grizzlies got enough to get it done tonight. I think – I think we're going seven. I, I, I just, listen, we didn't talk about this um, multiple times. You done brought this up on multiple occasions. You just can't trust anyone. Even Ja Morant. Like, the best players in this series can't be trusted. John ja Morant, loving to death, giving us the moments, but he done had some clunkers in this series, too. In the times that had clunkers. Anthony Edwards that had clunkers. The most consistent player of the whole doggone series has been Desmond Bain. So I'm not even going to go at him. He's been playing outstanding. But then you, I, I'd heard you about Jaron Jackson Jr. He got more falls than points in this series. So with all that said, I, D'Angelo Russell, yeah, you already know how I feel about D'Angelo Russell. He ain't cutting it, I, in my opinion. He's not cutting in this series. So with all of that said, it's very hard for me to look at one specific spot and be like, the only, okay, i take that back. No, because the only area I can look at and say that one team is like significantly better than the other one is defense. I think when the Grizzlies actually get up and play defense, their defense is a lot better than the Timberwolves. Problem is, when the Timberwolves actually lock in and play, though, their offense seems a little more dynamic than Memphis. So it's kind of like one of them strength on strength battles. But once again, these are young guys and we are failing to see any consistency outside of Desmond Bain. He's the only one that seems like he's bringing it every game, giving you what you got every game. Um, You have to kind of go down deep in the rosters for both teams before you kind of find someone else that's um matching the consistency. Um, what do I mean by that? Like, For example, the Memphis Grizzlies, I think Brandon Clark, someone like him, since he's been inserted into this series, I think he's been pretty consistent on what you want from him. Um, As far as, you know, he'll give you some points. um, He's going to give you some defense. He's definitely going to give you them rebounds. But his minutes are going to be very, very, very uh, useful. He uses his minutes to do something. He ain't out there with the Danny Green special and just – Hey guys, yeah, zero, 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 and zero at the end of the night. He ain't doing that. <coughs> so, um, and then and and then over t- on the Timberwolves' side, you 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 also you got guys like the um uh, Vanderbilt. You got guys like that that's not talked about as much, but when they're on the court, the time they're on the court, whether it's small, is about as valuable as the time of the stars on the court. Because they're actually giving you um, your money's worth per se, for lack of term, your money's worth for what their performance. Where you got guys that's getting paid a whole lot more, they might not be getting your money's worth. So, with all that said, man, um, it's – It's hard for me to call it. I think this is going seven. And if you remember when we previewed the series like weeks ago, I said I I think this was a candidate to go seven. This is why I thought this was going to be the most exciting series in the first round. And now that it's the only series left in the first round, it has the chances to get all the eyes if it goes seven. And if it does go seven, it's going to get played on Sunday. What better day to play on Sunday yeah, everybody got nothing else better to do than watch game seven of the Memphis Grizzlies and the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I think – and I'm going to be honest, no matter how that game – if 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 Tim if the Timberwolves win tonight and we go to game seven, no matter how game seven works out, I think that would be enough for us to kind of alert ourselves on the Timberwolves going into next year because it was this similar, like – a leap of faith that we we kind of got from Memphis in the last two years, and now look what they look like. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I'm excited for it tonight, but I'm gonna have to say this is probably going seven games, and we'll we'll get a game seven on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm inclined to agree uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, just by sheer probability, you'd feel like you'd get one just one series at least to go a full seven. Uh, all the series are, it's, it's going to be it's weird if if if, Me- if Memphis turns out win this game, you'll have seven of the eight series have been decided in five or six games feels feels somewhat unusual because uh, normally in the first round you expect to have a, a couple of sweeps just by the sheer some of these mismatches that just seem to that seem to that be what we have on paper and it just just hasn't turned out that way. And then the other the other part of it is like you alluded to kind of what we've been talking about. I mean, these two teams. It's just hard to it's just hard to gauge what you're going to get game in and game out. Uh, Both these teams are just uh, among the youngest in the NBA. uh, Do they have some veterans out there? They they do. But for the most part, the guys leading the charge in terms of, you know, the guys who are going to take the last shot, they're, they're young. They're young guys. And um, we just we just have not seen the consistency. I mean, John Morant's been he's been up and down, um, and he hasn't really. He, I, I really, I feel like Game Five was kind of his signature, his signature so far in his playoff career. Uh, but even with that, it, it it wasn't a particularly pretty first three quarters. And we, we and we've talked a little bit about Car Anthony Towns. You know, he we we don't we just don't know. I mean, he could he can have some games where he's going to go off and just be shooting the lights out and, and playing big. And then it, it, there seems to be some occurrences where the Grizzlies come in and they're, they're ultra physical. They really bother him with that. And, and because of that, you don't see him do particularly a whole lot. And so, and I do, and I do think that like when you look at those guys and how up and down they've been, I, I and I, I agree with you. I think Desmond Bain has been the most consistent guy. Uh, and then the other way, I think I'm not thinking about D'Angelo Russell. I'm thinking about Anthony Edwards. So it's been a, it's been a really odd series because it just, it's been so back and forth, up and down. And just because of how back and forth and up and down it's been, uh, I, and I have no, what I don't, I don't feel a lot of conviction in this, but I do think it'll go seven just because it's been that back and forth. Um, now, even, even so, I still I still expect Memphis to prevail. If there is a game seven, I still think – I've never thought Minnesota would win this series. Uh, but, but I think you – look, I think Minnesota does deserve credit for how they've played in this series because of two versus a seven. Um, normally, you don't get to the three – you don't expect really competitive series normally until you get three versus six in most seasons. And um, I think Minnesota has really – They've done a really nice – they've done a really good job in this series. They won game one. Um, then they struggled a bit. But they've also – you look at it, they've really missed some opportunities. I mean, when you just look about it, um, I think it was game three where they blew, I think, a 24-point lead, a couple of 25-point leads, just couldn't get it done. And then, you know, so had they have been able to take care of business, it could be Memphis right here absolutely on the ropes. And, you know, game five – I like Minnesota was in control of that game for most of the way. And then all of a sudden the fourth quarter comes around and here comes John Morant. And so, you know, I think for, I think for both teams tonight, uh, you know, which, 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 which team leader or superstar that leads his team can show out, can John Morant carry on or uh, pick up where he left off in game five and take that show on the road. I think Memphis is, Memphis is certainly capable of closing this out tonight. But um, it's just, you know, what are we going to see from what are we going to see from him? And then the other part for Memphis is and you talked about a little bit with Jaron Jackson. Some of these guys who are not Desmond Bain. uh, Yeah. Could we could we do something, guy? Uh, Dylan Brooks. I don't know what you're doing. I see a lot of memes on you on social media right now. I'm not quite sure what all that's about. But whatever you're doing, you might want to modify it because three for 18 is not it. Uh, it's just not, man. I, we need some more. And Jaron Jackson, <laughs> he we when your when your point to foul ratio is two to one, and that's really that's seriously what it is. That's not good. Fifty three points and twenty six fouls in this series. They need you on the floor. I, I really think if Jaron Jackson plays like the dude that we were remember the the bubble. And the big deal was Jaron Jackson not there. If Jaron Jackson's in there, it's gonna be something. Well, uh, well, you're here now, and you're not you're not doing a whole lot except picking up fouls. And I mean, he's at, and because of the foul trouble, he's not even averaging 24 minutes a game. So I really think like to me, Jaron Jackson's the X factor, and I don't think he's played, I don't think he's played a good game yet. I really don't. He's averaging 11 points and six rebounds in this series. That's not near enough. That's not near enough. So if Jaron Jackson, if Jaron Jackson plays tonight and plays like he can, this could be over. I mean, this could be over, but I still think Minnesota can uh, is gonna come up with it. I think, I think they'll play inspired. I think they'll wind up playing one of their best games of the season. And uh, we, we will have a game seven on Sunday.
1: All right, so going over the um, you know, standing in the NBA, going over the rest of the first round action. I say the rest because we would not be covering the previous two teams we talked about, Memphis and the Timberwolves, they're still in action. We already covered uh, the Boston, the Brooklyn Nets versus the Boston Celtics. That was the sweeper ruski. We took care of that, those two, so we will not be uh, recapping those. But for the rest of the action, we got um, out east. We had Miami wrap up, Atlanta 4-1. Uh, we had Milwaukee wrap up, um, the Bulls, that, that, that series also went 4-1. And then we had the uh Philadelphia 76ers uh in the series against the Toronto Raptors for 2 Um out west, we had uh Phoenix go ahead and get the job done um 4-1. Uh Golden State finally uh stopped messing around, got their job done at 4-1. And then we had once Luca came back and go ahead and put the icing on the cupcake, baby. Um Dallas end up getting Utah and who like Charles Barkley said, you can't have bees as pets. And got uh the the bee stung Rudy Gobert out of here. Um, that series went uh, four to two. So, with that said, Jay, you take it from there wherever you want to go.
0: Oh man! Uh, first of all, whoever bet if there was anyone that bet that the only sweep of the first round would be, and I don't even care which way you went, like Boston or Brooklyn, like. You, uh, I feel like you once you won a lot of money because yeah. I did not see that coming. Right. I thought that was I thought that was going to be the best series of the first round. And that was one that was gone in an instant. Right. So uh yeah. Uh the other the other part was we got a assuming Memphis wins the series against Minnesota, you've got a a full chalk first round, no lower seed one feels somewhat unusual I feel like normally like you can at least see a five or a six come through and and push on in the semifinals that feels somewhat odd uh I was um yeah remember what I said I said on Tuesday that if uh New Orleans won game five I would watch game six well, y'all, they didn't win game five so um um I didn't now I did watch. Now I did have it on. I just wasn't paying a, a thousand percent attention to it. But um, I think New Orleans. Is no yeah, <laughs> no problem. But look, like we, we touched on this a little bit before the show. I think um, I think New Orleans does deserve credit because I didn't expect anything from them this series. I didn't expect anything from them in a play-in tournament. Um, the biggest storyline for them is always the dude that ain't playing. For me, that's Zion. And uh, I mean, you got. I think. I mean, the NBA. I mean, it's not the Pelicans' fault that the NBA has got this gimmick play-in thing. The Pelicans came in and they kind. They look. They, they beat San Antonio. They beat the Clippers. Had a chance to come out here get these guys some experience. They won a couple games. I mean, they they was tied after four games. They deserve credit. And I think. Um, I th- I mean, I think Willie Green de- uh, deserves credit for the job he did. Uh, they seem to be a little bit. They're a different team than they've been in the past couple of years. Um, I, th- I think the the Valanchunas, uh Jackson Hayes uh, lineup in the front court. It kind of it kind of goes against the grain. It's almost similar to what uh, Cleveland's doing with the two big guys, you know, in the in the at the center and power forward positions. You just don't see that a whole lot. Um, and and then I mean the the continued improvement of uh, Brandon Ingram. I mean he continues to to make strides and get better. And then CJ McCollum trade. I mean, uh, New Orleans at the trade deadline. You know, they came out here shooting, a little, sh- running, and gunning a little bit. Kind of what uh, what I thought Chicago did uh, last year with Vucevic. I'm like, eh, well, that's nice. You still ain't going nowhere. But maybe that maybe that do maybe that helps them continue to build for next year. Um, and then like another guy, and you are like this. But um, man, what the 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 action I've seen from Herb Jones. Yeah. Oh, Hey he, yeah. he, hey, he nice. I, yeah. I like what I'm seeing from Herb Jones and remember the thing about the Pelicans that we talked about, you know, feels like since Zion got drafted is they don't play a lick of defense. What well, they they doing a little bit better. And I think Herb Jones is a big reason why I think he uh, he's a very, very unique player, uh, got, got a big wingspan for like a wing defender. And I, I think his three point shooting is something that's kind of impressed me. So. I think I think the Pelicans are a team that are on the way up, and who knows who knows how high they can go if um, they get actually get something from Zion. But we'll we'll see. Uh, Golden State taking care of Denver. Uh, look, Denver won Game Four, but it was only a matter of time. Um, the Golden State took care of that. Nothing, nothing that don't really surprise me. And then Philadelphia, like I mean, it, it's good to see Philadelphia finally get their act together and say. You know, you know, like some of these people, like they always I don't even know who said it, but I read a headline that said, quote, we ain't we was not going back to Philadelphia. Oh, I noticed y'all real tough and brave after the game, but you you know there's some people somebody had to be nervous about that. Like you you go up 3-0 and then you lose back to back, which makes you take another trip to the opponent team city in Canada where they probably – I don't know what can – Canada's been a little strange here recently, you know, with the truck drivers and just all the – you know, the, some of the stuff they're doing. That, I wouldn't want to be up there playing around. They had to go up there, give them credit. They handled their business. They beat the everlasting you-know-what Adam, in game six. But that just – but that kind of makes you wonder, like, wh- where's the consistency at? Because you, it's just odd. You go up 3-0, and then you just fall asleep. And that's after Van Fleet gets hurt, you know. So it just makes you wonder does this team have the right mindset? Are they, and that you, you, you know, you don't have time. Now you could have had just given yourself some rest, uh, you know, for before the next round because Miami had lost the game to uh, Atlanta. And now you don't get no rest. You got to go ahead and, and get and get, uh, get turned around, and get ready real quick. And then let's see how much left. Oh, yeah. And then my I saved my I think I saved my favorite two for last. Yeah, forget Miami and Atlanta. I ain't got nothing for that. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> People really thought Chicago was going to do something. <laughs> you know, Milwaukee. Milwaukee's defending champions for a reason, man. And I know without Chris Middleton, you would think that'd be a little chink in the armor. And they didn't play. I didn't think they played well, really, in either game one and game two. And I'll tell you, they came out the next three games, and they, they dominated. They dominated. And they showed they sh- and they showed it on both sides. And I think their defense, with the way they were able to, you know, really, really, it seemed like they kind of just – it wasn't DeRozan that he played awful, but I remember in the last game, they were talking about doing what a great, what a great job he was doing, facilitating and creating shots for other guys. But, the, but the, his teammates just couldn't get anything done. Right. But it was the strategy of like, okay, that's the guy. He's been that guy all season. He will not beat us tonight. We're gonna to force somebody else to do it, and they couldn't. And and they had, and you know, they had a couple of games to where all three of their, their, if you want to call them a victory, DeRozan, Levine, and Vucevic. I mean, they had some games where none of them did anything. So I mean, I mean DeRozan didn't look too good in the closeout game. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So um, I mean. The, the whole season for Chicago has kind of been – it's been somewhat amusing to me because, in the end, it, it seemed to always be this way for me. I never expected – I mean, when they jumped out and it was on the top three or top seed or whatever they were, they were up in the standings pretty high for a while. They fell off. Playoffs come around. You didn't – I mean, you didn't get it done. And as usual, I mean – and I think DeRozan – DeRozan proved something to me I don't know. he's probably not he probably can't lead a team to a title, but um look, he played his best season. And he, I mean, he he's that's a guy who deserves MVP votes for how he played in the regular season. But again, Levine's first postseason, I knew he he kind of nicked up with his knees and everything, I believe, but that's his first playoffs. And Vucevic, i I'm sorry, I'm just not I'm not moved by by the by the performance of Nicole Vucevic, and I've already seen him in the playoffs. So That's that's all I got for you. you. And then, yeah, the flat sodas. Have a a nice vacation. Uh, You earned it because you was lackluster in the first round. You played around. Lucas sat down three games for y'all to build a lead, and you couldn't do it. So um, you deserve to go home. I I don't know what if I'm the GM of that franchise. um, Man, I got to do some soul searching, maybe do some exit interviews with these players, with the coach, and figure out what I'm going to do because uh, when you look at where they were last year to this year, uh, that was, that was somewhat disappointing because it was pretty much the same team and you dropped from the one seed to the five seed, and you uh you went home in six games where Luka Doncic didn't play, but three of them. And in the other three games, Jalen Brunson was busy giving you the business.
1: Go ahead. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I, I think, like you said, um, this first round was pretty chalk. I think most of the narratives that we went that we had going into the the um postseason they continued. Um, listen, uh, starting off with Miami and Atlanta, we <clears throat> well, I, I myself again, I speak for myself. Like I always felt like, and it was something wrong with Atlanta. Atlanta wasn't quite the team that we had seen last year. Also, Atlanta didn't get the breaks that they might that. You know, some say they got last year. And once, and the most important part was I thought Atlanta was more of the hunted than the hunter. See, last year they was more of the hunter. They caught people by surprise. Trey Young' performance caught people by surprise. It was like, oh, this young fella can play. This young fella can be the, the uh, villain. He can actually do this. All right, cool. And it caught people by surprise. we we seen that. This year, not so much. I don't, like you said, I don't know if it was just, you know, uh, injuries or just what might have you, but the team looked pretty carbon copy from last year. It wasn't a, a vague difference from last year team to this year. However, that's how the cookie crumbles. You know, every season you probably you get a different result. Um, so that Atlanta team looked a little different, but I thought Miami looked more of looked more like the team that made it to the finals in the bubble than the team we seen last year that got an early round exit. Um, I think now they're looking more more like, and I don't know, maybe it's P.J. Tucker. Maybe he's bringing that sauce that he brought to Milwaukee last year. And it's what they need, you know, a step forward for Tyler Hero. It seemed like Tyler Hero and um, Duncan Robinson to kind of swapped a little bit with their roles from the bubble to now. Um, but with that said, Kyle Lowry there, you got veterans, you got it, – it just seems more of like that bubble team than, than – team we see last year and the result seems more of that bubble team Miami than we did last year they're playing good defense you come in there hot dogging that's what you're going to get um moving on to Milwaukee and Chicago um listen I said this will go six and when I said it will go six I said this series will go six because I think Milwaukee going to give up two games by flopping around well I wasn't wrong because what they did do was they didn't flop around they came with that smoke. At the, like, even the first two games, I know they didn't play the best, but they won. And then when they decided to play their best, it was pretty clear-cut which team was which. Which team was that team and which team wasn't that team, right? And that's what we know of Milwaukee. Even without Chris Middleton, we said this. That ain't an excuse to lose the series because you don't have Chris Middleton. This is not an excuse. You got to get it done. Milwaukee said what? Lose a series? We won't even lose a game without Chris Milton. <laughs> Touche. I, I like it. we um, going to uh, – and then oh, – I'm sorry. Before, uh, the thing about Chicago, and, and, and I said this, right? I said, listen, we just seen DeMar DeRozan be a one on an Eastern Conference championship-level team with Toronto. So we know he got it in them. The problem is who else he got on his team – that got it in them. And that's what we've seen this offseason. I get it. Zach Levine nicked up. Listen, you played the games. It is what it is. We've seen you on the court. That's right. I mean, I mean, I don't know what you want me to tell you. And Vucevic, listen, like, I, like I've like been saying, it's levels to this. It's different when you go into playoffs with the Orlando Magic and when you go into the playoffs with a team like the Chicago Bulls that have built expectations for themselves throughout the season. That's what you did. Now, granted, if most people was paying attention, we should we knew you weren't contenders because you lost one role player and all of a sudden you, your, your season took a nosedive. You didn't lose DeRozan or Levine or Vultiv for the rest of the season. You lost Lonzo Ball. And that was it. The post of the team just so if you telling me losing uh basically a role player is all it takes to diminish your season how in the hell could I consider you a a title contender or even a contender for the conference? That's what we see. Once again, you played another team that lost a role player and they just said, don't worry about it. We'll take care of this. That's the levels to this, right? So, and then moving on to Philadelphia and Toronto, here's the deal. Um, To what you said, right? I think Philly fans was worried, but if I was a Philly fan, what I would be saying to myself is, if Mb doesn't play his game, yes, Toronto wins. But if Mb comes and give you, let's say, 55 60% of his game, we win. That's what we seen last night, if, I, if I'm being honest, or last night or the night before. That's what we seen. Mb just came out and was aggressive, and James Harden came out and did what he did. Next thing you know, they up by 25 and this game is over, even with Seattle. Siak- what was the guy that came off the bench? Um, Chris Boucher or Boucher? Boucher, Boucher yeah, yeah. He came out and played a game of a lifetime. Mm. He played a game. I was like, oh, man, look at this dude. This dude is going, oh. He went, he checked into the game. I was like, oh, okay. I look up, 12 points. How long this dude been on the court? Look up, look up again, 19 points. Yo, somebody guarding this dude? But it didn't matter. It was down by like 25 when I turned my head. So, I, I just think, to your point about Philly, the thing is, is Embiid got to realize this. Like I, I, like you said, I know your fingers, your, your thumb ripped or whatever, you, you tore some, some, some ligaments or whatnot, but if this is not a clear evidence to Joel Embiid that this is his team and they go as he go, then I don't know what to tell you. Because when he turned up in Toronto, the team turned up in Toronto. And when the team turned up in Toronto, that, that game was over and the series was over. So hopefully him and James Harden can get this together and get a little more consistent. Now, chopping over to the West, Phoenix, New Orleans, like you said, listen, give um, New Orleans a lot of credit. Listen, I, I New Orleans, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I wasn't with my partner with the whole put dirt on you Um I, I did give you at least a game. I gave you a game. Um, but here's the deal. The problem is, if you just played a tad bit better in the season, it wouldn't have been like that. You know what I'm saying? So I can't blame somebody for feeling like these dudes don't even – first of all, don't even deserve to be in the playoffs. Let's not win a game in this series. When you, when you, what, win 36 games in an 82-game series? I mean, 82-game season? That's not going to cut it. Um, but you did get in. I thought you played you, – played the tails off, made it a competitive series. Now, you know, with Phoenix, another another one of those is levels to this, right? Because even without Devin Booker, they still won uh, game five. Devin Booker comes to game six, and then Chris Paul say, hey, don't worry about it, man. You come out, you be a D court, I'm going to take care of business. And And that's exactly what he did. I think he had one of the best games in playoff history of, like, his, whatever game he had was very unique to playoff history. Um, <clears throat> so they came and took care of business in that series. And then Golden State, um, listen, this just was the game of the haves and have-nots. Let's let's keep it real. I remember before the series started, we were talking about um, Steph Curry's injury. And we was like, we don't know how many games he'll miss. He ended up not missing any games. To me, that's the difference. He missed zero games. Jokic was just out there playing by himself for most of the games. Like right? it, it is what it is. He would have loved to have Jamal Murray. He would have loved to have Michael Porter Jr. He would have loved to have uh, Aaron Gordon that could do more than look good. Like, but he didn't. He didn't get none of that. So he kind of just shovelled a load. And the fact that they won one game is a testament to why he's an MVP finalist and the uh, and the defending MVP winner. That I mean, if you don't watch that series and understand what Yoke is bring to that team, you don't watch basketball. And then, last but not least, Dallas Mavericks um getting the job done against uh the, <coughs> the flat sodas, the, the stale bread, um, you know, softened their baby, woo, um, Utah Jazz. Um, yeah, Jay, here's the deal, man. Like, you can't you can't go out like that. It's gonna be a lot of uh, moving of furniture in that Utah Jazz organization because, like you said, you played six games, three of which they did not have their biggest star, and they and they won two of three two of those three games. Uh, that that's unacceptable. Um, Jalen Bronson, for what it's worth though, I, in that closeout game, man, it was this one time he had Rudy Gobert. I'm talking skate ten. I was like, man. I didn't know Jalen Brunson had moves like that. I mean he was he yeah. looked like Kyrie out that thing. He had it on the screen. Um I said he feeling himself now. I feel like Jalen Brunson confidence. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, hey man, I I'm I'm excited to see what that look like next round, man. I feel like his confidence and took a step um from this first series. But with that said, Utah, like I said um in previous shows, I think you gotta blow this up. Um, possibly build something around Donovan Mitchell. We'll see who's going to be the head coach, because I don't think it'll be Quinn Snyder. I think he's done now. Um, Rudy Gobert-Thomas, most likely done, in my opinion. I think he's done. Uh, Mike Conley, guys like that. I just, I, I don't see why you bring them back. You know, I, I, ooh, it'd be a tough one. If you do, you do. I, I just don't think you're going, you're going anywhere particularly special with that crew. So with that said, that's my recap of the first round, Jay. All right. So getting into the, the next round, we got this hot stuff going, Jay. Um, we just, in the last segment, we just talked about the, how the, the first rounds ended. Now we get to get into how those winners are going to p- compete against each other. So we're going to start off with the first one. Um, we got the first-seeded uh, Phoenix Suns going against the fourth-seeded Dallas Mavericks. Um we got, you know, I, I don't know what percentage you'll put on Devin Booker because I don't think he's 100%. So I say maybe, I don't know, like if I had to guess about a 65 70% Devin Booker and Chris Paul going up against, I I, I don't even know how healthy Luca is, but look, Luca getting the job done, right? Um, Luca and a very, very um, confident Jalen Bronson um, going into the second round. What say you, Jalen?
0: And I think, um, I think off the top of your head, or at face value, this is, this is Phoenix, and it's Phoenix convincingly. I, um, but I got to say, you know, although, I mean, I, I've always felt like even with, when Booker got hurt, and as, even though the Pelicans showed us that they could compete, I always felt like Phoenix would win that series. But what New Orleans did, it made me question Phoenix moving forward. And I know, I know, I got in trouble a lot last year because I picked against them in most of their series. Um, but I mean, the thing about like da- you look at Dallas, Dallas to me right now, they they have a, a similar feel as last year's Hawks team had. You know, where they kind of they kind they kind of feel like a little bit of surprise, they're a little bit under the radar, and um, but they they still I think they still they look like they playing some of their best basketball, and even though Luca may not be right, he, he's, still, he's still incredible with what he can do on the floor and, and the way he can affect the game in so many ways. I mean, not, any given night, he can come out, he can, he can pop a 30-point triple-double, no questions asked. Um, the, thing, the thing that concerns me and leaves me pause is the one, what Phoenix does, one of their biggest strengths, I think, in this series, is the ability to throw two different defenders against him which are very which I think can could potentially give him problems and they do it a little bit differently. When you look at a guy like Jay Crowder, who is who is a bit a big man and physical and is going to be in you, up in you, I think that that could that could be potentially problematic. And then Mikhail Bridges, uh, a finalist for defensive player of the year, he, he's not quite as physical, but elite elite quickness. And he's gonna be pesky and but with the ball pressure. So I, that's I really think in this series that's a that's a man that's a, that, I think that will decide the series. If Luca can be Luca and still be effective to decide, uh, despite the fact that two just excellent defenders are going to have the task to slow him down, then I, th- I think Dallas will have a very good chance to win the series. But mm-hmm. I'm not sure about that because I do think Crowder and Bridges are worthy of our respect uh, as defensive players in this league. Uh, but look, if Luca comes out there and is able to overcome that, and like I said, the supporting cast right now is playing, is playing tremendous ball, led by Jalen Brunson. But I mean, the, the contributions go up and down the roster, whether it be uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. I think Reggie Bullock is a guy who's, been, who's availed himself very well in Dallas. Um, Dwight Powell, you know, the pick and roll with him and Luca is something that's really a sight to see. Even my, my boy 42 out here is 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 popping buckets for me. So look, I think I think Dallas, I think this is gonna be a really competitive series. And I, you know what, I've been 50-50 on this for the whole show, thinking about it, trying to figure out where to go. But right. I'm gonna look, I'm gonna go Dallas. I'm gonna go Dallas. I'm gonna go Dallas in six because I can't imagine them winning games. I don't think that if it goes to a game seven, I think Phoenix will have the huge advantage being at home. But I'm, put, but I'm putting my faith in Luka Doncic. I think he's able to do enough against guys like Crowder and Bridges. And even if they have success as a team defense of slowing him down, I think he'll be able to facilitate effectively and create shots for other guys. I think guys like Bullock, Finney Smith, and then Brunson, who will, be, who will be, he'll have a lot to do with this. I think they'll play extremely well. And I think Spencer Dinwiddie perhaps will be the X factor. And play a much better series than he did against Utah, and if and Devin Booker, I think the, somewhat being limited perhaps early in this series, that'll be a huge deal. And then Chris Paul, I mean, I think Game Six that that's a that's a uh, that's a flawless portrait of a f- performance. But the problem is, at his age, I don't think I don't think it's fair to expect that again. And so I think you may see a game or two where he's not quite himself. And because of that, and I know I'm going on a limb, I'm not, I, I'm not terrible. I don't feel particularly comfortable with this, but I do think this, this will be very competitive. it will be very tight. And I think Dallas will wind up winning.
1: Okay. And I just want to say this, right. Um, you know how you made the stat early in the show, how like we had a lot of games that, that went six, you know, games or whatnot, and we didn't. We only got you know one sweep. I think not like going into this second series. I think we're gonna have a lot of games that go again, like six or seven. I'm I'm taking Phoenix in seven, and um, the reason being is because I think even if you don't have Chris Paul playing at elite level, but you, um, I think you have enough. Because you have Devin Booker um coming in. We haven't really got a DeAndre Aiden game yet. Um, I don't think, I think you could you you could get one um here coming up soon. Um, and I think when I look at Dallas, because they like to play small ball, they got size, but they like to play small, you know, running out 42, that ain't gonna get it done against some um, DeAndre. That's, that's Aiden. right. Um that's right. So, and and some of the other guys. So, I, I think he got a chance to have a pretty good series in this series until, you know, people, coaches start making adjustments against each other. So, yeah, man, I, I think with that said, no no knock on Dallas. I think Dallas is going to be spectacular um, in this, this series. But somebody got to lose. Somebody got to win. I'm going to take Phoenix in seven because game seven will be in Phoenix, Arizona.
0: So, you do, so you do agree that this, like, because I I do I, at face value, if you look at, it, I think Phoenix is probably big favorites, or maybe maybe not. But I think that's just what I feel. But you agree that it, it will be a very competitive series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, to
1: me, this is a toss up. This is going six or seven. It's not as wacky as um, Minnesota and Memphis, right? Yes, but it's it's so you got so many variables going in this, and no, it's no just oh, uh, it's no insight. Like, like some series, like we're going to talk about um, Miami and Phoenix. I feel like it's a big insight in that game and I'm going to say it, but in Phoenix and Dallas, if you actually look at it, you know, it's no, what am i am trying to say? Advantage. I'm sorry. That's what I'm trying to say. It's no major advantage for either, either team to me, because even if you say Phoenix play really, really good defense, now I can say Dallas play enough offense where it doesn't matter. So, And Luka, when he's in the zone, I don't care how good your defense is. That's
0: right. I don't know.
1: That dude, he's going to turn up. So, with that said, I just feel like it's too many variables to really give it to one team or another. I'm just going to go with Phoenix. I think they've been here before. They're more battle-tested. And game seven is in Phoenix.
0: I do think – and just last (laughs) point on this one. I do think the point about you made about Aiden is, is one we cannot overlook. And I think he, I think if there's an advantage, a clear advantage, it's probably on the inside to Aiden because I mean, I like Dwight Powell, but I think eight just another, he's clearly another level of big man. I don't think Powell's quite, I don't think he's quite uh, got the size for that. And I mean, 42, I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, he might draw a charge here and there, but forget about it. Do you think, I would, I would explore if I'm Jason Kidd playing uh, Marjanovic some minutes just to give you some more size. And I'm not saying you can rely on him for an extended stretch, but just to have more size, I think you got to consider that.
1: Right. And he got six fouls, right? So, hey, hey, no doubt. uh, I just, if you, (laughs) and
0: and you know, and you know, the thing about Morjanovic, like he's always, he's stuck in the mud on defense and all that, but he's an effective offensive player that can't help you. And he's, he's going to rebound.
1: Because he's gonna make DeAndre Aiden work too. Like right. you, you he put him in that paint and they dropped the ball in the uh, yeah, Aiden, you gotta do something. Uh so no, I, I agree, I agree. Um, but like we say, man, I, I feel like you can't roll that out into about game two or three. Because you roll that out <laughs> in game one, yeah. Phoenix gonna be like, Oh, that's what we're doing now. Okay, cool. Hey, that's what we're doing. Okay, Stay yeah, we're we on, we on, on that man. one.
0: Put the put the state farm commercials on hold. I like those, by the way. Uh, moving on, uh, the Miami Heat, the first one seed out in the East against the fourth-seeded uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Should, should be really entertaining. Uh, the Jimmy Butlers and the Joel Embiid's combining. drink. Uh,
1: what do you see in this one? Okay, so um, in, in this one, right, this this, this is going to be a goodie, a goodie for the hoodie, as they say. Um, This is – man <sighs> – I don't even know where I want to start. I usually want to start with the big man, but we, we can go down in, in the front courts. I mean, the back, yeah in the back courts first. Um, I'm looking at Lowry and, and, and Hero, and I'm comparing them to um, Maxi and Harden. Now, here, here's my thing, right? This series should be, it should go six and Philly should win in six. I'm going to tell you why. And I know you like, hey, Drake, that's crazy. First of all, I feel like Philly has the best player in this whole series in Joel Embiid. I love myself some Jimmy Butler. I love myself some Bam out of But Joel Embiid is the best player in this series. Now, when you go to the second best player, if you want to put Jimmy Butler and, and Bam out of in there, by all means. Because the way James Horn playing, I don't know who this guy is. So that's that. You know what I'm saying? We're going off right now. We, now, we're going off history. Yes, James Harden will be the second best player in this series. But we're going off right now in, in present time. Yeah. <clears throat> James Harden is probably the fourth best player in this series. I'm going to be real with you, Jay. You know what I think this series comes down to legitimately? Just three-point shooting. Three-point shooting. I think both of these teams can play defense when need to I mean both of these teams can score in the paint when they need to both of these teams are very high in the assist category I mean both of these teams are coached by championship winning coaches um hell dare I say both of these teams got pretty good uh front offices um so fan base is good I mean they to me I just feel like the team that be able to hit the three more consistently in each game, that's the team that's going to have a better advantage because Miami is not a big three-point team. When you take uh, Tyler Hero and and um, Duncan Robinson and, and um, guys like that, you take them out of the fray, they're not a big three-point shooting team. Philly, on the other hand, I mean, James Harden used to be a big three-point guy. I don't know where that went. MB, I mean, he's shooting it more now just to show he got the touch, but he'll rather dominate it in the paint. Danny Green go missing from time to time. Tyree Maxey, okay, but I don't know if that's the only person you want to defend on. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I feel like the most consistent three-point shooter for the 76ers is George, um, George Niang. But man, that man's such a liability on defense. I don't know how much time he's gonna get in this, in this um this series because man, I just watched Toronto just target him play at the play at the play. I was like, Lord, man, he must really don't play defense. And every time I look, he really don't play defense. So that's gonna be interesting to see once this series start. But yeah, Jay, I think this series is gonna just come down to just plain old who can who can most consistently make three point shots. You make a pick in that one? Oh, I'm no, sorry. I'm sorry. You absolutely right. I think. Um. I no. Yeah. I said Philly and six. Philly and six. Oh wow. Philly and six. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's, man. I.
0: I. I'd. I'd love to pick Philly, and I. I do agree. I think they. They certainly have the best player, and I think right now, from what I'm looking at, Miami. Miami's a little bit. They're a little bit wounded right now. I feel like, you got Lowry down right now. Missed game five. Um, with a hamstring. And I just read that uh, he didn't practice today, and neither did Jimmy Butler, who missed game five as well against the Hawks. P.J. Tucker didn't practice. And there was uh, there was one other Miami Heat player in their rotation that didn't practice as well. Anyway, uh, you know, that's that's a lot of key guys missing. So I think, you know, if, if, if those guys are in danger of missing some of the, uh, the you know, the first game or two in Miami, then that could that could be a decided advantage for Philly you know if and if Philly can win one of the games early you know all you, you know as an away team in a series you know all you want to do in the first two games is get a split so you can get home court immediately you can you can flip home court and I think Philadelphia certainly has the talent to do that um, but I mean it, it, to me I think with Philadelphia if it's not Maxi if Maxi doesn't provide The secondary scoring after Embiid, then I think it's going to be, I think, I think it's going to be difficult um, for the 76ers. I I don't feel like I'm just uncomfortable right then from a scoring perspective because, and, and most of it has to do with James Harden because we just, I mean, I don't, I don't know what's happened, but I've seen some good things lately when I'm watching with him, with his drive, it seems like his drive and the aggressiveness is back a little bit, But the step backs, the step backs just ain't there right now. The shot, the shot is like, it's not there at all. And so you, now you have a situation where with the shot being to me, somewhat of a liability, I mean, I got to feel like defenses are paying attention to that. And maybe you can play off him a little bit to better prepare for those drives. So I think, I think Philadelphia, it's just going to like, I mean, MB, it's all about Embiid. He's gonna to have to carry this team. He's gonna to have to lead. He's gonna to have to be consistent. And if he's not, I think regardless, even if Miami's missing some guys, all their all their players are gonna come out and give great effort, play tremendous defense. And um, my my gut says my gut says Jimmy Butler and PJ Tucker are fine. Uh, I think they'll be there. Uh, and so even for me, if Lowry has to sit, I still think they have enough firepower coming off their bench. To where they'll make up for some of the offense that he can provide, and I think, and you look at this, even with Embiid, I think when you look at when you look at this series, Bam Adebayo is a guy who I think is a a def, a guy who can win Defensive Player of the Year in this league, and he thought he was a big time snub for for being a finalist for that award this year. Man, I, th- I don't know if there's a guy, a better, a better matchup in the, in, when you talk about a guy who can, give, who can guard Joel, Joel Embiid. And I'm not saying Bam can come out there and stop him, but I think he's good enough to make things really difficult and make Embiid earn every point he gets in this series. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and then on the other side of that, not only that, but like another, another reason to be concerned about James Harden, or oh, you're going to have to go against Jimmy Butler and uh, P.J. Tucker, potentially. So uh, good luck. I mean, that, that's gonna be that's gonna be hard, man. When you when you got those guys coming at you, and those guys, they're gonna be relentless. They're gonna be in your face. Um, you're not gonna be able to overpower them. It's, I think it's gonna be tough. I think Miami's defense is one of the best in this league, and the individual matchups that they can that they can throw at you. Un- unless the injuries really turn out to be a big deal in this series. I think my I think Miami wins this, and I think Miami wins this in six.
1: Okay, now before before I do the next one, I, I just want to say this, and I maybe I, I say three point shooting, but maybe I should just say James Harden is key to all this, right? But I I do I just I have this feeling that James Harden is starting to get his footing under him a little bit. Like I felt like because you think about this it's it's been a little while cuz he, he last year Brooklyn made it to the playoffs and he only played what one game, two games, something like that. He didn't play much. Um so he never got back in rhythm. Long offseason, then we know what happened this season. And now this season he he played what six games already. And now I think he's just starting to get his rhythm back. So I'm 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 leaning on the side of optimism that he's going to play he's going to play a lot better than what we think he's going to play. I think he's going to be more he's going to be more than just a, a an opportunity creator for his team. And I think he's going to actually be somewhat aggressive now. With that said, I'm not saying we're going to get this James Harden and right. you know all that. We ain't getting the chef and the cook and all that other stuff he's doing in Houston, but I think we we will get at least a James Harden where we say, "Oh, it was James Harden. Okay, I thought my brother was lying." I think we'll We'll get enough of that, and that's why I just feel confident about Philly. Don't get me wrong; I, I like Miami. Miami is probably the best team defensively, you know, probably between them and Boston with the way Boston been playing. Um, but at the end of the day, I just feel like the cream rises to the top, and we, we'll see. I mean, I I don't think I don't I don't foresee Jimmy Butler just dropping off these forty point games like he was doing in the first round. Think Philly could play a little defense too when they want to. Um, but that that's my theory behind that. Um moving on. Uh we got the Boston uh Celtics versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, Jay. Now nah, I just said something about defense. Man, it seemed like the, the East is really playing some defense. Um, Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I just said
1: something about defense in the last game, and now this game is probably gonna be the epitome of defense. We got some First team all NBA defensive guys slapped all around this piece. We either, and we got uh, I want to say the, the last year defensive player of the year and now this year defensive player of the year uh, playing in this series. If I'm not mistaken. Um, so I, I don't know, Jay. This one's going. This one going to get a little spicy. What, what say you? Hey man, this is uh, th- this has the feel almost
0: of. Um... I feel like Bucks Nets last year. I feel like this is going to be something really special to watch. I swear, I really hope it's better than Celtics and Nets just was because I was looking forward to that one, and that was a straight up dud, a non exploding round. Uh, look, man. By the by the way, I'm not I'm not disagreeing one bit about Miami or Boston perhaps being the best defense in whatever league. But uh, man, don't sleep on Milwaukee defensively, because what we saw in the last three games of their first round series in Chicago was something special. In four to five games, they held Chicago to 100 points or less. And you just don't see that in today's NBA game. I mean, everybody's in the one teens it seems. So, um, man, and I know. And the thing about it is what I and one of the things I said when Middleton got hurt was that 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 might take they might take a hit on offense but I think they can compensate by playing better defense and I think that's what they did now I think Middleton he's already been ruled out for that series that's a huge deal and that could swing it but I think um man my, my guts my gut still says Milwaukee I'm gonna take Milwaukee and I'm gonna take Milwaukee in seven I think it'll go to full seven and that's going a little bit against the grain because you know they'd have to win game seven in Boston, but these are the defending champs. These are no longer that team a few years ago who we thought we thought of them as somewhat soft and any little bit of adversity would uh you know just have them, you know, I have flailing in the wind. So the thing, this is this is a fascinating matchup for multiple reasons. Uh, as we said let's we talk about the best player in the series. I don't think there's any question that that's Giannis. Right. Now Boston right now when you look at what they're doing Uh, there there can be no question that it feel like Jason Tatum. If the Boston Celtics win this series, I think it'll be because it'll be be because Jason Tatum has truly arrived. And I think we can officially declare him as a no doubt superstar in this league with what he's doing. And, but it's it's certainly not only him, this is an absolute team effort. And the thing that's going to be fascinating to watch is you hear about teams all the time. You got to build a wall, build a wall with Giannis. Boston certainly has the personnel to build that wall. Um, everybody in their starting lineup has some level of physicality. I think Boston's going to try a lot of different defenders uh, with him to start. But um, anytime he drives, he's got to look. His, his decision-making is going to have to be – the most important thing I think Giannis can do is this series is pass the ball and, and hit the open guy. Because Boston's going to – Boston, I don't think th- – their mission in this series will not will be to not let him beat them. They will make these other guys. They'll make the guy. They'll make West Matthews. They'll make Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, Brooke Lopez. All these guys pop threes before they'll let Giannis just come in here and just run over people like a runaway freight train. I don't think they're going to allow that. The second thing for Milwaukee is is the the thing about can we talk about Drew Holiday all the time and how much we love him uh, as a as a player overall, but especially what he's able to do defensively. The interesting thing about this series that I see is Boston doesn't have an elite level uh, point guard, or or because they got such a big starting lineup that it's like who who is Drew Holiday going to guard? You know, is he going to try to check Jalen Brown? I mean, I guess Jalen Brown makes the most sense, but that's that's going to be tough on him because Jalen Brown has has really good size.
1: He can and go I, up and get like smarter. I,
0: but but what I but what I'm saying is I don't think you're making the best use of Drew Holiday's talent if you put him on Marcus Smart. Oh,
1: okay, I get what you, okay. Now the thing
0: about it is, if you do, if you if you do let Drew Holiday guard Marcus Smart, then what that tells me is, you want Drew, you're saying Drew, we're gonna let the other guys in this series worry about it because this ain't the best matchup. But what we want from you is we need you to score the ball really effectively because we need to compensate for Chris Middleton. I'm not saying boot Holes are gonna do that. He very he may. But we saw some crazy things last year from Boonhosa. Mm. When Drew Holiday's at there guarding Kevin Durant, I'm just so confused. I'm like, this ain't gonna work. So I'm wondering, does Drew Holiday get a get a <laughs> shot at Jason Tatum? If he does, I st- I think that's some sort of a mismatch. I'm not saying Holiday can't guard him, but that's you're automatically at a disadvantage because you just don't have the size. So who? So how Mike Boonhosa deploys Drew Holiday on the defensive end? That's going to be something that, that's going to be something that's really worth watching. I'm not sure if he, if he guards as Smart, that that's a great use of him, but maybe just due to the size makeup, that's what you do. I'm not sure about that. Uh, but but to the, now this, the supporting cast beyond Tatum and Giannis, I mean, Boston's team defense has been outstanding. I think, again, their focus will be to, to, to keep Giannis from beating you. So then you, ha- you, then you have to look around and say, is Milwaukee, is, is there, does their supporting cast, will they be able to hit enough shots? From, what, from the way they're playing right now, when you look at guys like Grayson Allen, and I think and, and you can throw in, I think, Wes Matthews and Pat Connaughton, and then don't forget, I mean, the X factor in this series, I think, is Bobby Portis. Uh, because when you look at Boston's front line and how physical they can be, I mean, B- Bobby Porter's Brooke Lopez, I, I think Ibaka might get some run in this series too because Boston, Boston has, they have such elite size. I think, I think they're going to make use of all the big guys that Milwaukee has. And I think the key to this series, the defining factor will be because of all the elite size, whichever team can control the glass will win the series. And I think, I think Milwaukee has the personnel to do it. And I think they will. And uh, look, Giannis, the best player in the world, he's going to show you that he is. Not necessarily, but I don't think he does it necessarily with all the great scoring, even though they won't be able to stop him, but they will have a great plan to try to contain him, his passing, his passing and his, and his willingness to trust his teammates. And don't be out. I don't think this is a series to be out here playing around the three point line, trust your teammates, let them help you. They got championship experience that they'll take care of him. I believe that.
1: All right, now, I ain't got that much, but I got something. Um, I'm I'm gonna start out. I, I think listen, when you in game one, Hoser has to start Drew Holiday either on Tatum or Brown, whether it's a mismatch or not, we'll figure that part out. But he has to start his best defensive, his best perimeter defender on one of their best perimeter players. That's just how I gotta go. I mean, I said Marcus Smart just to be like a little smart, outlet, but at the end of the day. He would have to guard one of those two players first. Like we ain't, I, I would lose my grits if I would seen in game one. You got Drew Holiday, real deal guarding Marcus Smart. No disrespect to Marcus Smart, he can play He can play, but he ain't Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown on the offense side of the ball.
0: But do, hey, um. do but do you think there's something to the argument to be made that? Because of no Chris Middleton, you're going to need Drew Holiday to score the ball. So is there something to do trying to protect him on the defensive end?
1: Well, yeah, but what, what does it matter if you're getting torched already? So if you got Jason Taylor and, or Jalen Brown out here going bananas, it's like at some point, even, even let's say, even if they're not going going crazy, right? And you're in the game, and then all of a sudden they have a hot quarter. Not, not a hot game, but a hot quarter. And you end up losing the game for that. Guess what? You're going to make an adjustment in game two. What that adjustment going to do? Focus more on whatever player that got hot, whether it's Tatum, Brown, or whoever. So you, you're, you're going to end up taking Drew Holiday and forcing him to be more of a defender anyway, just because how these two young fellas play. You, do you need his points? Absolutely. What I would do is I would try to put the the owners on like some of the other guys that score the the Grayson Allens. The like I get it. They're not Drew Holiday. They don't make Drew Holiday money. I got that. But they're also the guys that you can kind of like cheat with a little bit to say all you're gonna do is play help defense. You do You're not a primary one-on-one defensive stopper like Drew Holiday. So we're going to need y'all to focus more on filling up the basket and playing help defense. And th- that way drew holiday can kind of have a primary assignment because I mean, points is good, but if the other dude is hotter than fish grease as Mark Davis, say you just going to let him score because you need holiday to score. You just gonna let the, let the other guy score. I don't know. I don't think that's an efficient plan. Um, so I, I, I mean, and I'm, Like I said, this is game one. After game one, they're going to be adjustments, right? So we're going to see how that goes. But I'm just saying for game one, in the beginning, I think Drew Holiday got to be on one of those two guys from the front point, and then we'll see how that goes. To your point about Giannis and building the wall, building the wall was a good term, I think, two, three years ago. I don't think a team like the Boston Celtics, unless somebody get hurt, I don't think they necessarily have to build a wall. I think they can play good defense by – they can stumble – I mean, stymie. They can stymie Giannis without completely selling out with the wall because of the size of their team. Man, listen, I know I had a lot of stuff to say about how Boston was flopping around and um, uh, Brad Stevens being in the GM and Adoka coming here and all that. They didn't build this team pretty, pretty well. And when you talk about the length, the size, I think it's enough to, you know, start getting Giannis frustrated, start getting Giannis to pick up offensive fouls, start getting Giannis to make plays that's not like Giannis. I think the Celtics can play some defense without building that wall. I really do. Listen, because you got to think about this. Giannis' game is predicated on driving. He's a physical guy, meaning he opened himself up to a lot of offensive mistakes. Offensive fouls, travels, uh, turnover, stuff like that. Kevin Durant' game was more built on shooting, and they still was able to get make him uncomfortable. And he's just, he's he would rather shoot the ball. Meaning, when you do it that way, you you might miss more shots, but you're not prone to as many offensive mistakes because you're a shooter than a driver is. So, I think Boston. Honestly, if they actually think about it, with no Chris Middleton, right? They actually could play a little more of I not gonna say man to man, like cause that that'd be ridiculous, but um they could play a little less of the the whole building the wall and play maybe get get a primary defender, have another have another defender, cheat over, leave. I don't whoever you gotta leave. Somebody gonna get left over. So uh, hopefully. Somebody didn't come to play or whatnot, lead them open, double Giannis, make Giannis get the ball out of his hand. But you, you got to understand, Giannis is a smarter smarter player too. So he's not going to just hold the ball and, you know, create a useless turnover or nothing. He will get the ball out of his hand. And that's all you want is for Giannis to get the ball out of his hand. As long as he get the ball out of his hand, you feel like you won on that possession. So I feel like Boston do got a, got a good chance of doing that. On the, on the flip side, um, wh- one of the things I think that worked very well for the Bucks is we know what the role is for every player. It's no distinguishing this. We know Giannis is the guy. Everything goes off Giannis. We know Drew Holiday is second in command. Now we know that. We also know when it comes to defense, we know who the front first two guys is. Those two guys. Now. When you start adding in the Brooke Lopez's of the world, the Bobby Porter's of the world, um, the the, the, the uh, Grayson Allens, the Pat Conantins, you know, those guys, those are the guys where you need, you're going to need them to really step up what they do a lot more. I think, Drew, in my opinion, you need Drew Holiday to step up. Don't get me wrong. But I really think you got to focus on those other guys to step up more and let Drew Holiday worry about Take, trying to take a player out of the game like he does. Um, because I think that's going to matter in this one. You know how I said I think it's going to be up the threes in the last series? I think this one's going to be about attrition. I think we're going to have some guys that be in and out in this series. This is going to be a physical one, folks. Um, so this is going to be a war on attrition. But with that said, I think this series goes seven. I'm going to take the Bucks in seven.
0: All right, after all that just riveting, riveting NBA talk with the playoffs and just everything that's going on so much, we, uh, we move on to the, the NFL draft that started last night. The first round uh, took off uh, on Thursday night, had a whole lot of stuff going on. What we didn't have going on was very many uh, quarterbacks and running backs being drafted. We had one quarterback, zero running backs, um, so that led to a lot of other positions being drafted. I think we had six wide receivers, a bunch of offensive linemen, a uh, bunch of, bunch of, uh, bunch of corners. Whole lot of, just a whole lot of stuff going on. Uh, Drink. Uh, walk us through it, and uh, how about giving us, give us a couple winners and a couple losers, if you would, of the first round.
1: Okay, so um, first of all, we didn't get our, our first offensive play off the board until uh, pick six by the Panthers. Um, the offensive guard out of North Carolina State. I can't. Icky, Yeah, that's all I got for you. iky no, I'm not. I, I'm, not I'm not messing that, that. with that. Um, but he came off the board. Once he came off the board to um, Carolina, then you started seeing more um, offensive players coming off. The first wide receiver came off the board at eight. That was London Drake, um, the wide receiver from Southern Cal. Um, the Falcons picked them up, and then once he came off the board, we had a nice little run of receivers because you had eight with Drake, and then you had 10 with Wilson, 11 with Olave, 12 with Williams, then we took a little break. Then you get to number 16 with the commanders. You had Dotson with them out of the, the wide receiver out of Penn state. You go to 18, the Titans draft trail on burden, the wide receiver from Arkansas. So, and then that was the meeting and potatoes. He was the last wide receiver in the first round. Um, and then it kind of switched after that. Um, so I, I thought that was, that was um, unique. Then to the point you said about corners. I didn't see this many corners going in the first round, Jay. I ain't going to lie to you. This is a lot of corners. Um, <clears throat> I, I think we knew Derek Steenley, Sauce Gardner was, was going to be in the mix. I think those were two corners we could kind of pencil in if we had to. But then when you got to um, the Trent McDuffies, the Kira, the Kira, 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 Kira Ely's, um, guys like that. Then you start adding in the safeties. I thought the safeties... Um, you know, the only one I heard about all year was Carl Hamilton. Then the draft rolled around and there go Daxton Hill and Lewis, and Lewis Seen. So um we we had a lot, we 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 had some surprises here. Offensive tackles. Um now to the winners and losers, let me tell you right now, um uh, my first loser is listen, I don't know what the Philadelphia Eagles was doing here, but um this is probably the reach of the first round here. I wasn't, I don't, I don't know. I heard a lot of good things about Jordan Davis, but when you cut on the tape, you got to look for those good things. Um, to to take him at number 13, I don't know, that, that was, was a little head-scratching. Um, so that was my first, like, uh, loser, I think. Um, I wasn't enamored with the fact that Green Bay decided to pick a wide receiver today rather than yesterday. Um, I get it. Maybe the draft grades – once once that group of wide receivers got off the board, maybe the draft grades did not pan out um, to their liking. So they went and just got two elite um, defensive players um, by grade. But at the end of the day, man, as a Packers fan, I, I, I know it, when I went to sleep last night, I was madder than a mother Boop! that um, it was no receivers drafted by my beloved cheese heads. Um, so, um, that was unique. And then I thought edge rushes. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm losing my train of thought. But that was the other team. A team that I thought won that I wasn't expecting to win because they've been jacking up so much was the New York Jets. I thought New York Jets did very well with their three with their eventual three first round picks. I, I, I'm not mad in any of the three. I think they're, they're pretty good picks. I think, listen, you got the second best. Cornerback in the draft and Sauce Gardner um, with your first pick. I think you got the first or second best wide receiver in the draft and Gary Wilson Wilson with your second pick. And then you traded back up to get um probably one of the at least probably top 10 edge rushers in this draft um in, in uh, Jermaine Johnson. So I have to give, you know, the Jets their flowers, man. They jack up a lot of stuff, but I thought they did well with this one. Um now. I didn't like the Eagles' draft pick, but let me tell you what I did like. I like that trade for AJ Brown. I thought that was um the if if you remember the Eagles actually had two first round picks coming into the draft. They traded away one. I think the one they traded away was for AJ Brown. Um, With that said, um, I like that pick. Um, so I I I would give I would definitely give the Eagles credit for that. I like that, but um yeah i, I, I will probably say off the top of my head those was my winners and and losers of the first round
0: uh yeah gotta start it uh let me get my notepad for this one so I make sure I get this out uh gotta start with Green Bay as usual not quite sure what they're doing in the first round uh it's good to know it's good to know courtesy of uh the old NFL draft trackers that they went ahead and pick the receiver out of some obscure uh, state. I see we went all the way up to North Dakota. Well, maybe that's not that far for the people in Wisconsin because that's only two states over. So maybe they had an opportunity to go out there and watch some ball. Uh, yeah, but you know what, Green Bay, the pack, Brian Gutekunst is like the owner of a car that his battery won't start. And instead of getting that battery taken care of uh, immediately uh, he's out here changing the tires, playing around with the oil, doing all kinds of stuff. Ain't got nothing to do with the battery. That's what the Packers basically do with wide receivers. They, they, they out here. They know the, the, the wide receivers are the batteries and Green Bay don't do nothing for them. Save the second round pick that they just made today. Uh, Christian, uh, Christian Watson. I really hope that uh, I really hope that that does the trick. Uh, and look, I did say before the show that, you know, yeah, six wide receivers come off the board. Maybe, you know, they were kind of a, that, uh, when it felt kind of like no man's land, you know, when you have six wide receivers drafted from picks eight through 18, and you've got 22 and 28, and maybe they just didn't feel like they had the next guy graded at high. They want to try to get some good value. I, I, I get it to some extent, but I mean, look, your second pick that you made, Devontae Wyatt, yeah, uh, I'm. Uh, I'm not seeing it outside of the fact that he played on the Georgia defense, and that just seems to be the new thing in this draft. Five bull- five Georgia Bulldogs on the defense coming on in there. So uh, as usual, um, you know, Green Bay, not really, not really sure what they're doing. The other one, uh, so yeah, Green Bay was to me they, they, they a loser, and they just feel like April's a time where they lose. They win a lot of games when it, they win they a lot of games. games. Uh, but April, April's not what I call a winning month for them. Right. Uh, you know what? Th- this, these trades was ridiculous. There's just so many trades. Um, I was, wa- I was watching, um, I was trying to keep an eye on the playoffs and a little baseball. So I, you know, in Denver, as you know, they didn't have a first round pick. So I kind of, you know, I wasn't fully in on the draft, but I I probably needed to be because all these trades that was going on, but The one, the one trade, which I think made a team a loser would be the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Understand this, AJ Brown is something special. Uh, I believe that. I believe he's a guy that can carry a guy like Ryan Tannehill from time to time. And um, they're like, no, no, AJ Brown, get on out of here. We'll, uh, we'll start over at wide receiver. Because that's what you do as a team who's apparent, who's allegedly contending year in and year out. You just start over and you just you just chuck guys in the prime of their career, uh, you know, to the to the opposite to the opposite conference and say, no, nah, well, we won't pay you. Right. We we we'll, we'll, Tannehill got his money, but AJ Brown, you you no, you don't you don't need no more money. that's weird because Philadelphia just they gave him some they gave him a nice uh, new payday. Right. So I don't I don't understand that. Like Ryan Tannehill is a guy. He's not getting it done. We just saw this. We saw this in the playoffs. Not not, not it. Uh, and because of that, that he's not it. You need the support and cast uh, to be outstanding. You have Derrick Henry. I understand that. But a guy like Ryan Tannehill needs a bona fide number one weapon and he needs him today not next year, not two years from now, because God knows if we still going to be, if Tennessee fans going to be putting up with this nonsense. And so, I mean, Traylon Burks, I don't want to knock the guy. He obviously had a great season at Arkansas uh, for Sam Pittman and crew. I get it. But is he ready now? Is he that guy now, today? And I'll tell you, he's not one of these guys who we was thinking about, you know, in the first run. He's not Garrett Wilson, Chris Alabe, or Jamison Williams. I can right. tell you that. So, that, that's what I make of uh, Tennessee. Not necessarily uh, it's a knock on Traylon Burks, but it's a knock on what Tennessee did uh, in the trade to trade a guy you got today that is a a, a legitimate star at wide receiver. I think he is in A.J. Brown. Let's go to some winners because I think I've placed the audience on a down enough level. They probably read, yeah, you know, let's come on back up though. We're gonna build you back up now. You know what? I don't say, I do I think it's a good day in the city of New York. I really do. I think it's on both sides. Mm-hmm. The New York Jets, I think, had a, had a resounding victory. And I think it's almost extended in tonight based on what I'm seeing. I'm, I'm looking at, uh, they picked up Bryce Hall, running back from Iowa State. Good to see some running backs coming off the board. You know, those guys get taken for granted. Mm-hmm. But um, look, you look what they did getting the getting miles Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. We know how outstanding he is. And then Garrett Wilson, arguably the uh, the best wide receiver prospect, you know sub four four speed, got all of that going on. And um, then you move on; they they go even bigger. They make another they make a trade at the back end to get back in the first round to get a pass rusher who was falling off a little bit. But I mean, you turn on the tape last year, Jermaine Johnson, a game record at Florida State, uh, transfer, transferred over from South Carolina, I believe. So what you've done there. To me, you've gotten you've got three impact players that can start day one. Bryce Hall, you can bring him in. You can you got a you got a one two punch with him and Michael Carter. Carter in his second year out of North Carolina. The wide receiver room it's not empty now because you're looking at Garrett Wilson, you're looking at Elijah Moore, and um, I'm skipping I'm skipping on a third guy. There is a third guy, but I'm skipping on a name. So many oh,
1: they are trying people. to trade him. Is it Callaway? No, that ain't it. I
0: don't believe. No? Don't what? Hold up. I got to figure this out real quick.
1: Sure, ain't Kadarius. T- Tony or something like that? Did I, say, T- did I say Elijah
0: Moore? No, that's a, that's the a Giants, Kadarius.
1: Oh, oh, who are we talking about? Well, I'm sorry. Oh, Corey Davis.
0: Corey Davis is who I'm thinking oh, of. Man. Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, and um, Garrett Wilson. So okay. you could do a lot worse than that. So you're giving Zach Wilson a one-two punch in the backfield You've given them a trio of wide receivers you can count on, and you've given that defense a guy who can get to the quarterback. So I think you've done that. Your first four picks, I think you've done well. And for the New York Giants, you had the fifth and seventh pick. Kayvon Thibodeau, and don't forget this. I think this is maybe not the best analogy, but I think it's somewhat of a parallel. Justin Herbert, when he came out out from Oregon, he came back to college when the season that he could have came out early, he was the presumptive number one overall pick. He went back to school. That's when Joe Burrow does his thing. And Tua was coming out too. So he ends up being the third quarterback. But he still had number one overall pick talent. Not this exact same thing, but because you saw what Hutchinson did and you saw what Trayvon Walker did and the measurables he showed at the Combine. But Kayvon Thibodeau clearly could have been a number one overall pick considering the pre pre-season, the, the preseason hype that we was getting around him. Right. So you got you got a potential franchise altering player on the defensive line. And then Evan Neal was a guy who was in the, running for the number one pick this year as well. So, I mean, I think the New York Giants made out very well. And we know, I mean, that offensive line, the Giants been trying to fix this for years. They did. They got Andrew Thomas up in there. He's been, I think he's been, he's been steady. I don't know if he's been great, but I think he's been steady. But now you have two guys that you, two uh, building blocks on the offensive line. And that, you know, the, it's the best teams or the teams that are foundationally strong are the ones that build up those offensive lines and de- those offensive and defensive lines. So I think the city of New York, they looking like winners so far. I know it's a rarity and I know they got, they, they still got a lot of work to do before we can call them winners when it actually counts. But I think they did a nice job in their uh, respective drafts so far unlike the Titans and Packers. All right, time to finish off the show with rapid reactions, a lot of topics, a little bit of time. Take it away, Drink.
1: Let's roll, baby. New Orleans Pelicans forward. Zion Williamson spoke with the media today for the first time since September and said he would, and I quote, of course, sign an extension this offseason if the Pelicans offer him one. What's your reaction to this?
0: Uh, The media should... I don't know, stop asking extension questions about a guy who's played 85 games in three years. That's uh that's my reaction. I don't want to hear about extension. How about you how about you extend your run of actually playing on the court? Let's try extending that first. NCAA president Mark Emmert announced Tuesday he will be stepping down from this position no later than June 30th of 2023. Uh, given the recent changes with NIO and the transfer portal, does, does this even matter?
1: I yes, because because you're, you're speaking into the realm of college football, but you got to understand he's the NCAA president, so he has to worry about the other sports as well. Um, so I, I think it is a place for them just because of the other sports. But, I mean, how long there would be a place for them? That's a good question. Major League Baseball has suspended Los Angeles Dodgers starting pitcher Trevor Breyer for 324 games, which is the equivalent of two full seasons. What's your reaction?
0: Uh, I'm glad that this is somewhat over, even though Bauer is going to appeal this and has maintained his innocence throughout the entire time. Uh, even though the uh, the L.A. Uh, district attorney or whatever uh, decided against charging him with anything, uh, we have seen any in in, when you uh, these athletes, I mean, right or wrong, they're held to a different standard, and we've seen like with the, especially in the NFL, you play around in these certain. Uh, these no-no issues such as domestic violence, even if, you know, the, uh, the courts or the legal system don't want to do anything. I mean, the commissioner's office ain't got no problem with uh, bringing, dropping the hammer, and they, they certainly did in this instance. Denver Nuggets center and reigning NBA MVP, Nikola Jokic, plans to sign a Supermax extension this offseason if the Nuggets offer one, and the extension could be worth up to $254 million over five years. That's a, that's a lot of money, isn't it?
1: It is, and he deserved it. He deserved the offer. So if it's out there, go and get that man's money. That, that dude has been a trooper for the Denver Nuggets since he's been there. So he's the only reason they're not a laughing stock this season, if you ask me. So yeah, I hope he gets the Supermax extension, and, I, and, I, and he deserves it, every bit of it. The, Raider, the Raiders have announced they will not pick up the fifth year options of any of their first round picks from 2019. Is that an indictment against former GM Mike Mayock? Oh, you know it is. You know it is. Especially uh, reach alert
0: and bust alert, calling one Cleveland Farrell, eight sacks in three years. <laughs> we, everybody knew that. You right. know, in Mike Mayock's defense, though, I do think Josh Jacobs, I would have extended Josh Jacobs, even though, like, I know he'd been nicked up a little bit here and there, has some injuries, but um, I still think he's a guy you can build upon. But... I mean, we do know the running back position, you know, teams feel like they can get him anywhere. So, you know, that's probably something they'll address, perhaps after his rookie contract, even though I guess you can still say if he comes out and have a big season this year, you can always uh, work out an extension later. But um, yes, I do think it's somewhat of an indictment against Merrick, especially for Cleveland Farrell. Athlete lead Maryland to their first winning season since 2014 and the first bowl victory since 2010. Mike Loxley has agreed to a five-year extension with the Terps. That's going to keep him in College Park until 2026. Thumbs up or thumbs down?
1: I'm going to give it a thumbs down. I think it's a little too early. Like, I I feel like when the bar is super low, it's not really much you have to do to raise it. Yeah, winning season, got it. Bowl victory, cool. Mike Loxley is a guy that starts hot and ends cold really fast. I think they should have waited till like year two or three to make sure this is what you wanted to do. They might regret this in about two or three years. I don't. I don't know. He's not. He's not the most consistent guy. I just know of his work up close when he's with, with the the best of the best. Um, Atlanta Braves superstar outfielder Ronald Acuna Jr. returns to the lineup last night, and he had an instant impact, going one for five with two stolen bases. Were you encouraged by his performance? Yes,
0: especially with uh, coming right off the bat and getting two steals. That tells you that uh, that that those knees are feeling really good coming off, I believe, an ACL injury. So for him to be flashing that speed immediately, I think it's definitely a good sign. The Chiefs and Chargers will kick off week two of the regular season in the first Thursday night football game that will be on Prime Video. That's something you're looking forward to?
1: I don't really give a rip about it being on prime video, but I am looking forward to the game itself. Um, these are two teams we talk about a lot, two quarterbacks we talk about a lot, and, hey, it's a conference – I mean, it's a divisional game, so you're always down for that. Um, let's see how this prime video works. Hey, AJ. I just got a question for you before we roll into this next one. Does this make you feel old oh, where we at in today's society now, like the, the streaming society? I mean – God, I remember when we didn't even have internet. We used to get internet on these little disks, the AOL disk. And now, football is just on streaming apps. I don't know, make me feel low. Um, Hall of Fame quarterback Peyton Manning and Georgia Tech has uh, had partnered to create a college scholarship fund in memory of the late great yellow jacket, Damaris Thomas. You like this tribute? Yes, any uh, any positive tribute to celebrate uh,
0: the life of the Marius Thomas is something I'm absolutely for. And I hope uh, I hope uh, young people in uh, in, the, in the Atlanta area are able to are able to benefit from that. I, I think it's a great, great job by Peyton Manning, as usual. Tomorrow, even this UFC fight night, Font versus Vera ESPN Plus at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. The main event is a bantamweight bout between the number five ranked contender, Rob Font, and the number eight ranked contender, Marlon Vera. Who wins, drink?
1: Um, well, I came in to this day um, having Rob, Rob Font as the winner, but he came in two pounds over. So that showed me he, he's not disciplined. Um, and it was a lack of respect for his partner, Marlon uh, Vera. So I'm going to go with Marlon Vera. I hope he wins by knockout and get 20% of Rob Font's purse on the way out of the door. All right.
0: Uh, That concludes tonight's Drink of Wisdom. As always, like, listen, share, subscribe, and thank
1: you for joining us. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, make tomorrow better than today, and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time. Baby. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what it is. This is a Drink of Wisdom.